Hello Saints, Todd here with SafeguardYourSoul.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are so blessed to have these moments together in the Word of God. And remember, Saints, there's nothing, there's nothing, no thing happening on God's planet that is even remotely as important as the work of the gospel and feeding the sheep of Jesus Christ for whom he died to save so that they can grow in grace, they can be edified, they can be equipped for the work of the ministry according to the scriptures. And let me just guarantee you this one thing, by the grace of God, this outreach will continue to unapologetically endeavor to preach the whole of the word of God, regardless of who gets offended or not in Jesus name. And please remember that your prayers and support are vital to this operation. Thank you. In Matthew chapter 4, beginning in verse 23, after Jesus had called his disciples and began his ministry, preaching repentance, that was the first word out of the mouth of our Lord Jesus Christ, as it was out of the mouth of John the Baptist, Matthew 3, 2, and 4, 17, the first word was repent. Repentance is extremely important, and it is what God requires for anyone to enter into his eternal kingdom into his family. Amen. To repent. The first word is not believe, but it is repent. And, you know, as we read on, we find throughout the New Testament that we're to render repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Acts 20 verse 21 couples them together. So we repent or we turn ourselves all the way to God, away from our own way and to God, abandoning ourselves to him who made us and who will judge us and put our faith in Jesus Christ, the only redeemer whom the father had sent. So repent Repentance, very important, very important. And in deliverance, repentance is very important. When people get themselves entangled or they have a generational curse or devils for whatever reason have been haunting them or tormenting them and they're not made whole, then the first thing we have to do is help them as we're learning and doing in our own lives to repent, to return to the Lord. And then the devil can be resisted and then he must flee from us or from them. And that's according to James 4, 7, one of the best warfare scriptures if not the best in the whole Bible. I want to encourage you to memorize it, to put it into practice in your own life and in the lives of others that you're helping. It says, quote, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Amen. So submitting yourself to God is paramount to repentance or synonymous with repenting. Submitting yourself to God. And when you do that, you are able to denounce the sin, you know, confess and denounce it, and rebuke the devil and he has to flee from you. He has no more legal right. Sin gives Satan the legal right into our lives. And so trying to cast out a devil or help somebody before you encourage them and exhort them and tell them they need to repent and lead them in that repentance if need be, then nothing can get done. That's got to be the first order of the day. And we see that right here in the first words of John the Baptist's mouth. The first words that came out, it says, in those days, Matthew 3, 1 and 2, came John the Baptist preaching in in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent ye for the kingdom of God is at hand. So repent. There it is. Repent ye. That's the first word. Then Jesus, in his, when he began his ministry, the Bible says in this, uh, Matthew 4, the next chapter, verse 16 and 17, I'll read, the people which sat in darkness saw great light and to them which sat in the region and shadow of death, light is sprung up. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent 
for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Okay, then Jesus calls four of his disciples, of his twelve, four of his twelve, and he says, follow me and I will make you to become fishers, make you fishers of men. So, see, those following Christ are fishing for souls. They're not building church enterprises and kingdoms for their own self-glory or participating in those things. They're all about the Father's business. Now, does that tell you how few are going to be in the kingdom, eternal kingdom? Look around you today. How many people do you know that call themselves a Christian and are really disciples of Christ? If they're really disciples of Christ, if you and I are, then we're fishing for men. Otherwise, we're not following Christ, who is the only way to eternal glory. We've made up our own rules. We've made up a false God, a false Christ in our own image. And, you know, it's kind of like we have said to the Lord, listen, Jesus, I want you to save me because I don't want to go to hell. But don't bother me with doing anything else in this life. I'll do my own thing. See, that's absolutely iniquity. That's rebellion. That's lawlessness, which Jesus said is going to cause many who claim to know him to be told, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. In fact, right in that text in Matthew 7, right just a couple of chapters ahead of where we're reading right here, Jesus said, not everyone that saith unto me, that is on judgment day, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. What is the will of the Father? Well, the will of the Father is the word of the Father, the Bible, what we find in the Bible. Right here, we see Jesus, the only nail-scarred risen Savior, the only way to be on that narrow road, that narrow way that leads to eternal life that few enter therein. You see, he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. If you follow Christ, you are a fisher of men. You're doing something. I mean, most people I know that claim to be Christian can't even hand out a track. They don't even hand out tracks or bother to hand out tracks when nobody's looking. I mean, this is so lame of an excuse of a Christian. You're not a Christian. You're ashamed of Christ who said, if you're ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, so will I be ashamed of you before the Father. So examine yourselves, whether you are in the faith. Repent and be about. Get about and be about and stay about your Father's business. Verse 23 of Matthew 4, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all manner of sickness, and all manner of disease among the people. So Jesus did what? He was teaching, preaching, and healing. Teaching, preaching, healing. Teach, preach, heal, or pray for people to be healed. TPH, all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments, and those which were possessed with devils. How many people know that people still get possessed with devils? Nothing's changed. We live in a sin-cursed earth at this time and in this era, since Adam and Eve sin, and Satan walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Devour. He actively seeks to destroy people's lives. He possesses people. You really don't even have a cursory knowledge or understanding of the Gospels if you're going to deny demonic possession. So people were possessed with devils, and people today are possessed with devils. Some of them don't even know it, but they've sinned. They've done something, or for whatever reason, they have a devil in their lives, and Jesus can set them free, and he will. Just use the James 4-7 formula. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So you help them. First of all, you get your own life cleaned up. Second of all, you help others. You help them submit themselves to God afresh in repentance. Resist the devil, and he will flee from them. You see, what does that mean, submit yourself? Well, repent afresh. Submit yourself to God fully. Put your faith back in Christ if you're a backslider. And then resist the devil, and you pray with them to resist the devil. You do it in your own life. You resist. You 
denounce the sin and you denounce any legal rights Satan had in your life. Get him out of your life. Run him out. Cast him out. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. He has to flee from you. He has nothing to cling to. He has no, no right to be there. Since all the sin or any sin that you committed is now repented of, the blood of Jesus has been applied and the Lord Jesus Christ, the King of all kings, now reigns in your life. We see Jesus just brutalizing these devils all the way through the Gospels, man. That's why God sent his son, according to 1 John 3, 8, to destroy the works of the devil. Amen. God is not lacking power. His hand, his arm is not shortened. That's what he told his people. His arm's not shortened. He's not diminished in power. That's impossible. Listen to what he tells his people, his own people. And that's what he would tell us today. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened. God's hand of deliverance and his ability, if you will, to reach out and bless and make someone whole has not been shortened or hindered. That it cannot save, neither his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. In other words, I could still do anything. I'm God. I can hear you and bless you and deliver you from anything. There's nothing impossible with the Lord. Nothing. No thing. But here's the key. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. So see, God today in this late hour, this last hour before the return of our Lord Jesus Christ is not diminished in his power and ability to reach and bless and deliver. Just like we see Jesus doing here, Jesus, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, healing all manner of sickness and disease, casting out devils, getting people free and made whole. That's what his people are to be doing. But it's the iniquity of the people back in Isaiah's day. This is Isaiah 59, 1 and 2, by the way, that was withholding good things from them. You see, in one of those root, the root iniquities is the deception of this foolish wisdom of the world, which is earthly, sensual, devilish, where people think they know better than God. And so they're going to, you know, set things up. Well, we live in the 21st century. And, you know, and well, you got to go to Jesus didn't go to seminary or Bible college. None of his apostles did. And any one of them did mountains loads more than, you know, anybody today. So what does that tell you? See, we're doing things our own way. We're walking in our own pride and foolish wisdom. You see, that's at the root of all of this stuff that we've got all the answers. No, look, God has all the answers in his word. You need to die to yourself, go on a fast to where you don't have any energy to be propping up and walking in your own wisdom. It's nothing but arrogance and pride, acting like we know better than God. His thoughts are not our thoughts. Your thoughts are not his. His ways and his thoughts are higher than yours. Isaiah 55. The Bible says, trust in the Lord, not yourself, with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding and all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Don't be wise in your own eyes. We don't realize how foolish and finite we really are. In another place it says, be not wise in thine own conceit. In Romans 12, don't be wise in your own conceit. We don't know how blinded and ignorant we really are. We must abandon ourselves to the Lord. And when we do, we're going to read his word and like little children of humble faith, go forth and do it. And stop being led about by the wolves who have filled you with all kinds of other stuff as to what Christianity really is. To them, Christianity is, and it's to their self-serving advantage, that you become a good church member, that you become a church member in the first place, which is not biblical, so that you'll feel allegiance to them, and that means you'll come and patronize them so they can feel better about themselves, and also you'll bring your money. You see, you join the country club, basically, and you don't see any of these things we see in the Gospels or in Acts in those local churches. You can't even get saved in most local churches, much less get a devil cast out or get set free and made whole. I mean, has God's power diminished? No. That's what he tells us in Isaiah 59, 1 and 2. No. Our sins, our sins of thinking 
we know better than God has held his power and his hand back from us. And that's what we read about in Jeremiah 5, which is a powerful chapter, by the way, where he says in verse 25, thy sins have withholden good things from you. You see, that includes your own deliverance and other people being delivered and set free. That's the work of Christ in the ministry. Now, notice verse 24 in his fame. This is Matthew 4, back in our central text, and we'll finish here. Two more verses. And his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments, and those which were possessed with devils. Notice, and they brought unto him, unto Jesus, because they knew he would cast them out and help these people. That's an indictment on us. Huh? People don't even come to us. People don't bring anybody to us. Why? Because we're not even set free ourselves. If we were set free and helping other people, that would open the doors and cause uh, people to start coming to you to get set free for prayer. Not so you can be glorified, so Christ can be glorified. But we've got to grow up, folks. We've got to stop waiting on the pa- Most of these pastors that you guys are under, people that are listening to me, aren't even saved themselves. Most of them aren't filled with the Holy Ghost. I mean, these guys don't even have a foundation in the gospel. They reject because they walk in their own wisdom and the foolish traditions of mere sinful men who are inspired by devils instead of the revelation of the New Testament, which tells us that we need to repent, be saved, be water baptized, and be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Read the book of Acts. And they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments. Hello. How many people know Satan will torment you? Every one of us was born in sin. We've been tormented by Satan. I've been tormented by Satan before I was saved and after, but I learned how to defeat him God's way by submitting myself, therefore, to God, resisting the devil, and he had to flee from me. James 4, 7, you've got divine inspired prescription right there on how to be delivered. Amen. Humble yourself, submit yourself afresh in repentance, confessing all sin, denouncing it, and then denouncing Satan's right in your life, and he will flee from you. James 4, 7, James 4, 7, James 4, 7. Write it on an index card and memorize it so you can get free, stay free, and help others get free. Amen. That's why Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil and to make men whole and cause them to grow and be matured into the full stature of Christ. Ephesians 4, that's what elders are ordained to do. Very few doing that today, but that's what they're ordained and sent forth of God to do. So torments. These people were full of torments, man. They were being tormented. Had a call the other night, middle of the night. Somebody being tormented, couldn't sleep. Whole household was in disarray, the whole family. And through just leading them in repentance, confession of sin, denouncing it, and denouncing Satan's right to their life and having them confess all this themselves. See, when they do it, they are the ones that have the key, the decision, and the key. And what they, if they're ready to repent, then you lead them to repent out loud, you know, or just tell them to do it. I usually lead them in prayer, but I tell them, you pray from your heart. You say these words to God from your heart. And then, you know, have them repent. That means they submit themselves afresh to God. Then have them denounce Satan's right to their life. And he flees from them. After three phone calls, this precious soul was set free. Finally was able to go to sleep at 630 in the morning and set free from the devil. And I mean, he was tormenting this person. And those which were possessed with devils. And some people don't even acknowledge that people can be possessed with devils. How ridiculous is that? Nothing's changed. And those which were lunatic and those that had the palsy or paralytic, and he healed them. And there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee and from Decapolis and from Jerusalem and from Judea and from beyond Jordan. And then it says in beginning in verse five, the next verse, and seeing the multitudes that followed him, that is, he went up into a mountain and when he was set, his disciples came unto him and he opened his mouth and taught them saying, so apparently, well, I don't know if the whole multitude was there or not. I'm trying to figure that out from this and I've looked at this. I don't know if it's that way or not. I'll have to look in Luke's version of it here. Best I can tell is that there's this possibility 
possibility that the multitudes were there and his disciples. Definitely we know he was teaching his disciples as he gave what we call the, the Sermon on the Mount, if you will, where he taught in his teaching spans the fifth, sixth, and seventh chapters of the book of Matthew. Let's assume, let's just say for constructional purposes that the multitudes were there. He taught, he preached, he healed, and then multitudes followed him. So he didn't have any lack of people to minister to. But you see, when you do it God's way and you die to self, you lean not to your own understanding, then you just teach and preach the word and serve God by serving people, not yourself. Then you're bringing healing to their life. Remember verse 23, teach, preach, heal. That's Jesus's what he did. Teach, preach, heal. In other words, pray for people to get healed. Then he cast out devils and stuff. And, and so when you do it God's way, then you do it that way. And then people start wanting more from God. And so they'll come to you or whatever. Instead of, and then compare that with the way people build their church building and church businesses today, where they form their community, they, you know, with uh, postcards and stuff. And they're not, they're definitely not, you know, following this model in most cases where you're teaching the word of God, the full counsel of it, by the way, with no respect to mere sinful men who might get upset about that. If they get upset and they don't want to repent, that's the exact person you want out, out, out. I'd rather be fellowshipping with one other good brother that loves Jesus, is humble, and is the word of God is his all in all. And then I would be to have a thousand people to teach and have a big old mixed multitude of people who really don't love the Lord and aren't really given over to him and or what the Bible calls false brethren or tares, man, you're going to have a lot of problems teaching, preaching and healing. And so then the people followed him and he taught them and taught his disciples. And, you know, compare that again to the, the way people, you know, build their church business. In fact, in Bible colleges and seminary, much of it's given over to marketing their church. You know, in other words, how to market a community, how to farm a community to, to build a church. It's, it's turned into a business, folks. And Jesus told us about that. He said they had made it a den of thieves, a den of thieves. He's called his house or his people to be a house of prayer. Jesus says it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. And that's what we've done today in the modern church. People have made Jesus's, how they put his name on it. It comes in the name of Christianity and the name of Christ, but it's a den of thieves who are selling and perpetrating their extortion upon the people, making merchandise of them. Peter said in second Peter chapter two, verse one through three, God bless you, friend. I want you to always compare things to the word of God, just like the Bereans did. They took what Paul said and they searched the scriptures daily to see whether or not Paul was telling the truth. Let the word of God be your final authority. Let God be true and every man a liar. Romans 3, 4. God bless you, friend. Please feel free to visit safeguardyoursoul.com. Well, brothers and sisters, it's been a blessing to spend these moments with you in the Word of God. And remember, there's hundreds of more Christ-centered, scripture-rich, edifying podcasts on safeguardyoursoul.com forward slash audios. There's also a store page with several many books on there for your edification in Christ. They're all scripture-rich and Christ-centered. Also, tens of thousands of saints and sinners are being reached every month, and you're prayers are coveted for the fruitfulness and supply of this outreach. God be praised, by the way, for those who are supporting. And feel free to visit our donate page on the site. And you can use your debit card, PayPal, or Patreon. And you can become a monthly sustaining member if you choose to do so. And a gift of any amount is so appreciated. Part of this outreach is to equip and supply other ministering disciples across our great country. 
country and all over the world. And may God be praised that there's fruitfulness happening among his people and through his beloved saints as we know that the return of our Lord Jesus Christ draws nigh. And we say together in the words of Revelation 22, even so, come Lord Jesus. Amen.